Welcome to the Musecast, where we squeeze every last drop of inspiration out of Sunday's sermon. Hey everybody, Dan Kent here. Obviously, Shauna is on a, uh, a much-deserved vacation, and so it's just me today. And uh, I already miss her laugh. So, uh, you know, I, I thought, since she's gone, I thought, well, I, I should bring a guest in. And Greg's sermon this week is, is called Gehenna, and it's about hell. And so I thought, you know, uh, what better way to kind of talk about the afterlife than with somebody who has already passed? And um, and it just so happens with the new Zoom update, you can send invites on Zoom to uh, people, who, you know, in your network, uh, but also people who are no longer with us. And so I thought, you know, today, maybe what I would do is I would send a zoom invite out uh to uh vincent van gogh uh and just to kind of get his take on on what the afterlife is like and so um i i didn't know for sure if vincent would would uh, uh respond but uh here he is so vincent uh welcome to the musecast so first of all let me just say vincent that I, I am just a huge fan of your paintings, and I just I think your your works are genius. And uh, really bummed that you didn't get more attention while you were with us. Uh, but just so you know, you have such a huge uh, fan base, and we all love uh, your work. And uh, and thank you for being here with us. Uh, I, I would love it if you could just share your perspective on what the afterlife is like. Um, I, we might be having technical difficulties. Uh, this is a new feature on Zoom, so maybe that might be it. Also, uh, Vincent, I know you did you cut off your ear, so maybe you, you're not hearing me. Uh, so just nod if you can hear me. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's technical difficulties. We might have to reschedule this one and just uh, stick with me for today's episode. <laughs> I wish Shauna was here. I think she would have thought that was funny. Uh, anyway, uh, so Greg did a sermon this week called Gehenna, and it's about hell. And uh, basically, I guess I'll, I'll do the sermonry. And uh, boy, it was a rich, it was a rich uh, sermon. There's a lot there. But he started off by sharing uh, an excerpt from Jonathan Edwards' famous uh, sermon on hell called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And <laughs> what a what a horrifying uh, sermon that was. And the imagery that Edwards uses is just, well, it's very vivid, uh, but also vividly, I think, reflects a God who... Uh, is not very Christ-like. Uh, I'll just say that. And then Greg uh, shared about his own uh, upbringing in uh, Catholic kind of schooling and how uh, Catholicism has used this fear of hell as sort of a way to, um, you know, raise money and uh, to literally put the fear of God in people. But it's not just uh, Catholicism. Uh, you know, um, the Reformed kind of Christianity had a very this was even, I think, even darker in that they had this idea of eternal conscious torment and hell is just like Jonathan Edwards said, who himself was a reformed thinker. But <laughs> the added kind of feature to the reformed view of hell is that um, if you end up in hell, it's because that's where you were destined to end up. It had nothing to do with you. And so there is this sense in which we all deserve that. Uh, and if, if the only way to get out of that is if you are one of the lucky people whom God chooses 
sort of arbitrarily to um to save from that and so that's the the view of hell from edward's perspective but uh so greg says okay well what do we make of of hell i mean it can't be that it can't be this eternal conscious torment that uh is infinite and perfectly wicked and perfectly full and rich with suffering it's got to be a loving god would not do that so how do you make sense of this idea of uh, hell and so he shared kind of three sort of principles uh that that we should all kind of think about as we're kind of wrestling through our own understanding of what the bible teaches about hell and uh and so forth so the first one is that uh, he notes that the language about hell in the scripture is largely metaphorical and you have to be really careful how you interpret some of the language because if you interpret it all literally well then it doesn't make sense and the example that he uses is that some verses talk about hell being like a fire some verses talk about hell being dark and if there's fire it can't be dark and so it, that, that's sort of a uh, an indicator light that these texts should not be interpreted literally but we should look beyond the literal images for the truth that Jesus is teaching there. Uh, the second principle is this idea that it is hell is not something that God does to us, but rather we kind of bring hell onto ourselves. Hell is sort of this organic uh, consequence of living ungodly ways. Uh, rejecting God, rebelling against God is going to have these natural consequences and that is largely what hell must be it must be the sort of uh uh extended uh consequences of our ungodly life uh, and he talked about c.s lewis's book um the great divorce where lewis kind of shares this this vision of hell where hell is this place where you just get smaller and smaller and smaller as you collapse into yourself and it's this 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 pattern of self-centeredness that just uh kind of builds this momentum until you just kind of collapse into almost nothingness and um but the point to all of that is that there is this sense in which it is self-chosen there you know god has this this uh open door he's standing there with open arms and um and he he's hoping that we will turn from this kind of self-centeredness the third principle is that hell whatever however you decide hell must be like x y or z it has to reflect the reality that god is love and so our vision of hell has to also kind of make sense with this idea that god is just like jesus in particular jesus's self-sacrificial love on the cross and uh so how do you how do you understand hell uh while also embracing this this loving uh god and you know i i agree with greg that he mentioned in the sermon jonathan edwards view of hell does not really uh reconcile well with this idea of a loving god and so i agree with greg that it, it should be uh rejected so what are the what, what are the potential kind of ways that we could understand hell greg offers us three the first one is sort of the c.s lewis kind of understanding of eternal conscious suffering where except this kind of self-imposed sort of thing that uh that we that we bring on to ourselves um and, and now you know if that is ultimately eternal the downside to that is that love in the end does not win and that seems peculiar given given the the 
grandiose glory of our God and the perfection of our God uh, and the overwhelming power of God's love, this idea that that love would not ultimately win is uh, it's sort of a, a mark against this view because it seems peculiar that love would not win. The second perspective um, has been known as annihilationism, uh, and that is just this idea that if we continue down this road where we just refuse to um, embrace God, we refuse to look outwards, we refuse to give up our self-centeredness, um, eventually God just gives us over to what we want. Eventually God says, if that's the way you want to be, I have to let you go. And since God is the one who sustains everything, including us, when God lets us go, then our existence is let go as well. And that is uh, called annihilationism. The third perspective is uh, often called universalism. And um, and this is just this idea that love does win in the end. Uh, it, it, this this intuition that uh, God's love, the greatness of God's love, the idea that that would not win people over is so kind of almost absurd. And so this idea of universalism says that eventually people, all people, will um, give in to the hot glory of God's love and. Um, and that's sort of universalism. Now, the risk there is that we can easily kind of use that idea that, well, eventually it'll all work out and, and it can kind of cheapen our resolve toward becoming more Christ-like now. Um, we can go on living how we want to live because, you know, in the end it'll work out. Uh, Jesus says that that's not the case. And you have to be really careful about that because uh, it's kind of the way I was talking with Greg on Saturday night is that it just it makes me think of like learning languages. It's fascinating to watch kids like four, five, six years old learning new languages. They just they pick up new languages so quick. Me, if I were to try to learn a new language, my brain is so entrenched in itself that it's really hard to to learn those new. It's not as malleable as a five year old's brain is, and um, and I think that you can apply that spiritually also, where you look at like, you know, learning how to to love others, learning how to build one another up, uh, fighting against our impulse to judge. Um, you know, learning tactics to resolve conflict in peaceful ways. The earlier we can learn those stuff, those things, the the easier it is. As we develop these entrenched characters, these entrenched personalities, change becomes harder and harder and harder, and it hurts more and more and more. And um, and so yeah, uh, you know, I think what Greg is saying, and I think what Jesus is saying is that. Yeah, God's love might win in the end, but that's no excuse to put off growing in Christ-likeness because now is the time. Now is the time. Uh, now is the easiest time that you have before you to learn some of these things. Um, and then Greg just finishes with uh, this note that God is uh, constantly um, in this everlasting sort of way, pursuing us and drawing us always uh, to himself. And um, and the fact is, is that the more you resist God's draw, the more you resist this, this, uh, this sense of this loving God, the more you resist that, uh, the better you get at resisting it. And, uh, and so, and likewise, the, the, the more you seek that God, 
the more you seek out that God and pursue that God, the better you get at pursuing that God and, and seeking that God out. Uh, and so Greg just leaves us with this challenge that today is the day uh, to to get good at the right things, to uh, start pursuing God in the way that God calls us to. Uh, and if there are things that you haven't let go of, if there are things that you continue to cling to that are self-centered, uh, today is the day to start to release those things and get better at living without those crutches, those uh, whatever sins those might be. So that's my sermon. Um, normally, I pass this over to Shauna to, to get her feedback on the sermon. Uh, and uh, I, you know, my guest, unfortunately, uh, Vincent, is your audio working yet? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't look like it's working. So um, we'll just go on to my uh, notes here. You know, we we did have a question a couple weeks ago where we asked the congregation like. When, when you think of hell, what are the, the two words that come to mind? And we had a lot of really great responses. Uh, but the, the, the primary word, the number one word was fire. <laughs> That's the first one that came up. Um, but then you had some other interesting ones, suffering, eternal. Uh, and then it starts to get more interesting. Uh, people talk about pain, uh, separation, uh, being alone, um, torture that's that's uh, you don't want that but then there's words like emptiness unfulfilled um doomed uh things like that you know it, it's it's interesting when you think of all the words that that you could use like where do those words come from well they come from these these uh kind of images that have been used and uh these metaphors that have been used and when you look at how hell has been used in the church historically, unfortunately, it's been used in a very manipulative way. And so um, there's been sort of a melodrama with it, uh, where you get words like fire, like this constant burning, uh, this uh, suffering and uh, torture and stuff like that. And um, and so it, it's interesting to, to think about what words come to mind, because that reflects the narratives about hell which you have embraced and behind those narratives is a picture of god and so often we we go through life with this picture of god and these narratives about these other parts of our theology and we never ask well hey does does this narrative uh is this narrative is this consistent with my picture of god and what i would argue is that um as we think about hell uh, in particular um a lot of times i have found that that the the picture of hell that people carry a lot of times is not consistent with the picture of god that they carry and so i think it's a really good practice um you know to just think about like you know what is what do i think about the afterlife and hell and and how does that cohere with my picture of god i remember in seminary i had this um this uh class and we talked about hell and <laughs> I just, for some reason, I keep coming back to this doodle that I made and I, I, I'll share it here. Um, and, I, and that's, you know, talk about, uh, you know, my, what would you call presuppositions about hell coming out in my notes. That's exactly what, what I doodled as we were uh, talking about hell. And, <clears throat> and so that revealed that, you know, obviously my presuppositions about hell was that there was fire, that there was suffering, that there was this anguish and, uh, it came out in my doodles. 
Uh, you know, with that, you know, there, unfortunately, with without Shauna, there's um, there's not as much give and take. Uh, so I'm gonna just go to a, a closing nugget, and um, it's not as much fun to do the nugget dance by yourself either. Uh, although I am a big Billy Idol fan, and I did like the song "Dancing with Myself." Um, I don't think he was thinking of the nugget time dance. I think he was thinking of a different uh kind of dancing um but let me just close with this nugget and it really goes back to greg's point i just love the the way he said that is that god is drawing us in at all times god is is constantly perpetually pursuing you and uh and me and 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 his bride and um and you know you think of the shepherd and the one lost sheep and uh what like a week and a half ago i was thinking about the the sistine chapel and i just love that image where you have adam reclining and he's just this lazy kind of guy and that's part part why i like this this painting so much and he's reaching up his finger to god in other words he's like seeking god but sort of like this lazy sort of way where he's just he's like just kind of reaching up he's not really putting much effort into it uh but it's so fascinating because god still reaches down his own finger and extends that that infinite gap between god and us to to meet us where we're at uh and and he he honors any effort that we give even if it's this lazy effort uh that we see in in uh uh, uh adam in the painting um and, and you know another example is uh first peter 3 is sort of a, a famous passage where we're told that during jesus's death during the, those three days um we're told that he descended into hades he he preached the gospel to those from the times of noah uh, who had not heard and there's this it's a very weird passage and you have to be really careful not to build a whole theology on it but at the very least it 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 is an indicator it shows us this glimpse of god's heart that god will pursue and pursue and pursue and if we do end up outside of relationship with god it's not going to be because god has rejected us it's going to be something in us where we have not opened ourselves up to god and um and so my nugget then would be, uh, one, uh, continue to seek that loving God who does not want anyone to perish, including you and including me. Uh, and number two, uh, now is the time, like Greg said, to get good at seeking God, get good at opening our hearts to what God might be trying to do for us and what God might be trying to draw us into. Well, uh, with that, uh, Thanks for joining me on this solo uh, tour. I I'm sorry we had technical difficulties with uh, Mr. Van Gogh, but maybe we can reschedule that sometime. And um, thanks, everybody. And I look forward to chatting with you on on uh, uh, YouTube. And you can send your questions and comments uh, here. And maybe it's over here. I always get it confused which side it's on. Maybe it's in the middle. I don't know. But anyway, the point is, um, I have no point. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>